And now, The Travel Show with Arthur and Pauline Fromer. Your chance to talk to the publishers of the nation's best-selling travel guide series. Whether your travel destination is around your corner or any corner of the world, the Fromers will help you get the most out of your travel experience and save you money at the same time. And now, Arthur and Pauline Fromer. And this is The Travel Show, in which we talk about vacations. Welcome. I'm Arthur Fromer. And I'm Pauline Fromer. And in the time ahead, we're going to be talking about travel. And that's a conversation you can join. We sometimes get guests for this show through the emails that we get at FromerTravelShow at Yahoo.com. That works whether you're a travel journalist or if you're just a traveler who wants to ask a question. Uh Another way to visit us, and you don't have to be on this show, but we think you'll find great travel information if you do, is to go to our website, fromers.com. That's F-R-O-M-M-E-R-S. You can get a preview of what's on that website if you follow us on social media. Just look for the word fromers on Facebook, on Instagram, on Pinterest, and on Twitter. Now, we live in a time when illness catastrophic illness in the form of the coronavirus is on the mind of almost everyone. But though this program cannot and will not discuss that awesome illness, it brings to mind a great many lesser illnesses that many people suffer when they engage in travel. And there is a widespread misapprehension that when we suffer from an illness in the course of taking an international trip, that the famous uh, local hospital uh, concerns or the the local hospital uh, programs will take care of us and will permit us to recover from that illness for free or for a very little money. That is is not at all the the case. Now, it is true that no international medical system will turn you away if you go to them with an illness. And many of them uh, will treat the very minor aspects of your illness for free. But if and when you suffer a more serious illness uh, requiring serious attention, you will be charged a bit of money that may be difficult for you to offer. This means that travel insurance should be considered by almost everyone taking a substantial trip abroad. The cost of such insurance is relatively light, but the coverage of that insurance may be a welcome, a welcome gift. And Paul, let's talk about an instance of which both of us are quite familiar. A friend of Pauline and myself recently contracted a serious bout of pneumonia on a trip to to, uh, England. It was a pneumonia so bad that she then proceeded to spend the next four weeks in a British hospital. Well, the crazy that, thing that was she coughed, so, she coughed so hard she got a heart attack. So yeah, she had both the pneumonia and pneumonia the heart attack. Pneumonia can be fatal in its consequences anyway. But because she had taken out a $50,000 policy of insurance, of medical insurance, before she departed on her trip, she was able with any concern whatsoever to cover the very substantial medical bill that a British hospital charged her for four weeks in that facility. So her decision should be considered by anyone planning a lengthy trip to a foreign country. In order to be free of concern about the cost of such a medical care, you really should consider purchasing a, a policy of medical insurance before leaving on a lengthy trip 
while the cost of that insurance may be less than what Americans encounter at home, it will still be a substantial sum if you do not have medical insurance. Now, there's a specific rule that we have to cite for elderly people who undertake a trip overseas. Uh, Elderly people must realize, and some of them don't, it's important to realize that Medicare will not be available to an American traveling overseas. Medicare does not apply to illnesses contracted in a foreign country. That statement, Pauline, should be emblazoned in neon lights at at every airport in the United States. Once again, Medicare does not apply to medical treatment in a foreign land. Now, The need to consider purchasing travel insurance before departing on an international trip is a very simple uh, bit of advice. It it is not at all like the advice that you sometimes engage in, Pauline, in which on this program you list a very complex, a a complicated form of of, uh, website. That, that are you, you talking about like insuremytrip.com or sure, squaremouth.com? Or? Those are not hard to remember, but there are a great many other lesser forms of, of uh, websites that we de- definitely do su- suggest on this program. The okay. trouble is, it's hard to remember them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I'm not sure them, which ones you're referring are, to, so I can't remember them. <laughs> it, it, it is important for me to stress today that, that simple rules of smart travel, rules that are not difficult to remember, right. should definitely be considered if you oh, plan a, a, an international yes, yes, trip. Yes. It doesn't have to be all I, websites. I'd like to name five or six of those, of those simple forms of the, it's, it sounds ridiculously simple and yet they're very important the wise traveler number 1 embarks on almost all, all trips with a single piece of luggage mm. lightly packed yes. it is important not to become a beast of burden when you travel the person who travels with several pieces of luggage is a poor traveler who immediately becomes a victim of expensive porters and taxi cabs. And uh, that such <laughs> such a person is also required to stay at the very first hotel they see because they, they simply have right. too much luggage with them to go to lug it from one place to another. Okay, simple rule number num- number three. I'm talking Two. only about, well, we were talking first about medical care. Oh, okay. then we were, All right. Then we went to luggage. And the okay. third piece of simple advice, simple but important advice, is to read about the history and culture of a foreign country before you embark on a trip there. It is important that you not be without uh, a background yes. overseas for what is the, for what you are looking at, yeah. for what you are embarking on. You are not an untutored ignoramus who just really doesn't understand what the various people are talking about, sure. especially the guides who accompany you on on a tour. All right. Or even if you're not on a tour. I mean, I think people wrongly assume that there will be somebody in the destination who can explain it all to them. Yes, but and often the people you are traveling with are not that insightful, and you'll do better bringing some insights of your own to it through reading, through maybe watching movies set in the destination, through watching documentaries about the destination. There's a lot of ways that you can acquire that knowledge. You and acquire guidebooks. that knowledge by creating a background for understanding 
understanding what yes. various guides and other people are saying to you. And uh, uh, rule number four, <laughs> all right, a simple rule number four. If you are able to do it, if you have friends who have other friends who live in the foreign country that you were going to, you should try to see whether you could obtain their name and their phone number so that you can contact them and suggest to them that they have yeah. a, a drink with you, that they have a snack, that they That's have the even a lunch. And you will, you will find that this is easier to do than you might expect, that many people, who especially who live in Europe, are thrilled to be able to meet an, an American and tell them how much they enjoy their own institutions at home. They will be more than happy to talk with you about what it is that you are seeing, and you will greatly improve the the uh, enjoyment of your trip. Conversing, well, everybody, everybody's uh, always thrilled to see you, Dad. I think an well, invitation well, they, from you is always gratefully you know, accepted. Any American who takes the time to make a luncheon appointment sure. with a foreign visitor in a foreign country will find that they are tremendously favored to, with background for yes. your trip, and they, they succeed. They converse with you at length. Now, number five, <laughs> simple rule number five is very simple, make reservations in advance for car rentals, for train tickets, and for hotel rooms. Don't always assume that these facilities will be miraculously available to you when you get there. You can show up in a city which is having a particular event that thousands sure. of people are going to, and they don't have a single room available for you. This can, this can happen. And Pauline, we started out today's broadcast by talking about medical illness. You once, as I remember it, contracted a medical illness on your way to Paris. Yes, yeah. on my honeymoon. I got on desperately ill on but, my honeymoon. I had a very, very handsome doctor visit me in my hotel room, which made my new husband very jealous. But, but the, uh, the, the that was the only good part about it. Uh, yeah, no, it was not fun. But it, it, was not, it was not an illness that required a... a, uh, a uh, Hospital stay. No, on no, the other no, hand. no. And they treated you, and I, I don't think he changed charged you any money. No, I got he? charged. I got charged uh, uh, because it was a house call. I was I was really too sick to leave the hotel room. Right, and, then, and he came to your hotel room, but he still charged you less than an American char- doctor. Probably, and for the, similar illnesses. Yes. but the moment that an illness becomes more serious, the yes. more the moment that it involves it can add a, a lot of money. Stay, yep, you could have encountered a giant bill as right. our friend recently did but yes. she had travel insurance these are all simple rules of travel and yet there are too many americans who embark on a foreign trip without considering many of them and thus they find that their trip does not live up to expectations I agree. it does live up to expectations if you follow the rules of travel the simple rules of travel you it's better to get a good website but the rules of travel may be suspicious all right we have to take our first break of the show but don't turn that dial there's a lot of great stuff on the way we'll be right back Listening to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad because we are family. 
And here we have today an expert on family travel. He is Reiner Jens. He is the founder and president of the Family Travel Association. Welcome to the Travel Show, Reiner. Thank you for having me back. I uh, was first on the show when we launched uh, over five years ago. So. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Five years. Thank you. Yeah. For those of for those of our listeners who don't know what you do, can you tell them a little bit about the association? Sure. The Family Travel Association is really a coalition of the leading experts, uh, whether they be travel agents, the media, and of course suppliers who work and serve with traveling families. And we want to make sure that parents and even grandparents or anyone who is a family member is aware of all the different options a family has when they decide mm. to travel. Oh, that's a, that's great. Because there is many more than they probably think. Um, so how do you make them aware? Well, through our membership, uh, we and, and I've learned about a lot of uh, different types of operators and experiences that you can have just by our association. But we educate uh, travel agents mm -hmm. on this, and we will also have a newsletter going directly to families that will introduce them to some of these operators and experiences that... Uh, they are safe and able to do with children. Well, you, you use the word educate, which made me think of educational travel. Does a lot of do a lot of your operators or some of them do vacations that are educational in some way for kids? Well, I always like to say that uh, learning happens between the poles, not just between the ears. So that uh -huh. anytime you travel, it's educational. Sure, in, in, that's in true. Some Very way. true. Yeah. Um, and specifically, what. I mean by that, it's not just educational in an academic sense, like if you travel to Rome and you learn about you know, the history there and, and, and other destinations. Um, it's really about discovering, especially for kids, themselves. Hmm. Um, and, and that's a benefit of travel. Not a lot of people are really cognizant of that just the act of traveling with your child is an education in its own right, and right. In particularly a, a, an education in who they are and discovering their interests and new life skills, meeting new friends. All these things are made possible through travel. And what we want to do at the Family Travel Association is make sure that, that parents understand that these are valuable benefits of travel and so that they'll prioritize traveling more with their kids. Well, towards prioritizing travel, you have a new campaign uh, that recently launched. Can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, actually, the U.S. Travel Association started something called Project Time Off, and they wanted to combat a major issue uh, in this country, and that is that parents and, and the general public aren't taking enough vacation days. In fact, mm. they're leaving over 50% of their vacation days on the table. Right. So we're kind of picking up the baton and saying to parents in particular, hey, it's really important that you use your days and do so by traveling more with your kids. Why? Because of all those benefits that I described before. So to incentivize them, we, we've asked them to fill out a simple pledge hmm. that says, I am going to set an intention to take more of my vacation time, if not all of it, because right. 55% of them are not using all of it. And if I take that pledge, I'll be eligible to win, um, in this case now, a Dude Ranch vacation for a family of four. Oh, that's and nice. And they'll start getting um, tips and information uh, from our experts from the association about how to better plan, how to make travel more affordable. You know, the things that are traditionally challenges or obstacles for them in terms of booking mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, travel, we want to turn into an opportunity. Well, as someone whose daughter 
turn 21 today as wow. we're recording. Uh, I know how fast it goes. And I, I don't think when, when you have a younger child, you kind of think this is my life and this will always be my life. But then it changes and travel is such a great time that you get together. Although, Dad, I know that you always felt traveling with me was torture. <laughs> right? You were a difficult traveler, Paul. <laughs> But uh, and you're you're you often tell people with very small children that you, that you don't think it's worthwhile for them. That's true. If they're they're only one or two years of age, they don't really get anything out of travel. Well, we see. This is where we disagree. This is a, a familial oh, okay. dispute that I'm. I think I remember this conversation from over five years ago. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he hasn't changed his uh, opinion. <laughs> he hasn't changed his opinion. So, why do you think it is that so many people don't? take their vacation days? Well, uh, what we've learned is, is one, whether it's real or perceived, it's affordability. And, mm. you know, can they really use time off to travel? They think they can't. Right. And uh, again, we want to educate them on ways that makes it more affordable and accessible. Sure. But the other one, and this is very important for many parents, particularly of young children, mm -hmm. this is the height of their career. And many mm -hmm. are, are worried that they'll be looked at negatively for taking their days, um, right. which is astounding to me because it's, of course, adds to productivity and, sure. and actually makes them uh, better at their jobs. But there is that fear. And yeah. there's also the school break issue. Because mm, um, you can only big. go when things are most... Right. Uh, and too many parents expensive. wait until the last minute. And yeah. then they realize that the airfares down to Florida, particularly here from New York, yeah. are you know, so, skyrocketing. So what are some things that, that families can do to make it more affordable? Because by its nature, because you have to put more people on planes or feed them or in sure. hotel rooms, it is more expensive than it was when you were a single person and didn't have kids. Well, there are several things. Yeah. yeah, and um, you know that's part of our campaign is to shed light on all of these different options. Yeah, one is vacation rental properties, much mm. more affordable than traditional. Uh, and great lodging. for picky picky eaters. Uh, yes, you and yeah. uh, my makes my kids eating more affordable. Sat in so many restaurants, not eating a thing, and when we don't, we're on vacation, and then afterwards, I'm hungry, and you think, yeah, oh no. Yeah. But I think one of the best lines I've heard actually comes from one of our travel agents, Sally Black, who said, "Oh, I know Sally. It, She's yeah, terrific." Yeah, it takes nine months to make a family. So you should spend nine months planning a family vacation. Hmm. Uh, that's her kind of secret formula for remembering you should plan nine months ahead, um, particularly for the summer season. And I know that's... Well, maybe if, you, if you're going for rental uh, properties. It doesn't help you with airfares, actually. You'll pay too much if you book that far in advance. Uh, but but for good point. But at least rentals. think about it, and uh, particularly for you know, accommodations and so forth. But again, too many parents, unfortunately, are waiting way yeah, too long. Yeah. And we've mm -hmm. seen a lot of research on that, that they, for summer vacations, the busiest planning time is April and May. Huh. That's and that before is, summer vacation. That's going to yeah. be a little tough. Especially if you want to do a na national, national park. Parks, and those right. are the best family vacations, I think. And yet they do get booked up well in advance. We've been speaking with Reiner Jens. He is the president of the Family Travel Association. If people want to find out more, where should they go? Yeah, our uh, main website is familytravel.org. Uh, but to take the pledge, uh, we welcome you to go to takefamilytime.com. TakeFamilyTime.com. Thank you, Ryder.
Welcome back to The Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer, and I'm really excited about our next guest. She is Samantha Brown. You probably know who she is. For many years, she had a, a really popular show on The Travel Channel. Now she has an even better show on PBS. Welcome to The Travel Show, Sam, Thank nice you to so see much you. for having me. It's always great to see you. Before we go further, give the name of your show and how people can find it. Sure. And then we'll talk about the show. It's called Samantha Brown's Places to Love. Mm-hmm. And it airs on your local PBS stations across the United States. So there's no set schedule. You have to go to your own uh, station to find out when they air it. Can can people stream it too? Absolutely. You can go to my website, samantha-brown.com. You can stream every episode from season one and two, as well as find out exactly when your station your PBS station plays it. So places to love. Mm. I'm assuming you don't include Akron, Ohio. <laughs> but that's that's just a personal thing on my point. How do you choose the places to cover? We like to show a wide spectrum of destinations from bucket list trips that you have to plan and save for to places you could go next weekend. Because one thing I always want to show is just how approachable Uh, travel really is and how it can be incorporated to all our lives depending on no matter what your budget is. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the 20 years I've been doing this that travel is always projected especially on social media as this thing that other people get to do and it's always far far away and it's always unattainable and as you know yourself that's not true. Yeah absolutely not and you know it I think some other types of TV shows, like I, I, if I ever watch the game shows where they give away vacations mm-hmm. and they tell the value of the vacation, mm-hmm. I think that there's no other type of media who's going to make a, a vacation sound less attainable. <laughs> and I always think, no, you can go to Jamaica, you can go to wherever it is mm-hmm. for half as much as they're saying. It's <laughs> a really good point. And of course, the game show, it's in their interest to make it seem like it's a really expensive trip. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. you know, you know that, no, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. So, of the, com- you have a third season on right now. Congratulations. Yes. Yay. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. And we start shooting season four uh, next week in February. Wow. Yeah, oh, so. that's exciting. Yes. So what is the most affordable destination in season three? Well, I guess it depends on where you live sure. in the United States. Um, but I would say uh, Dallas, Texas mm-hmm. is a fantastic location. Um, it's a city. I always call it like a B-side city because you've got your A-side cities, you've got your New York cities and your San Francisco's. These can be prohibitively expensive, as we know, with hotel accommodations and maybe flights. Where places like Dallas, much more attainable. Uh, They have every spectrum of accommodation you could offer. You could, uh, that the they have every type of accommodation sure. there is, from budget to high end. But they also have the the museums. They have fantastic museums. It really is I know a, you've been yeah. there quite a bit. Uh, did you do Dallas-Fort Worth or just Dallas? We just did Dallas. Okay. And uh, so for the museums, we did the Nasher Sculpture Gallery, which is beautiful and wonderful. At the only actual museum in the United States completely devoted to sculpture. That's right. Yeah. And Dallas itself has uh, a massive, one of the largest districts, art districts there are in the United States. Yeah. So you get the art, right? You get that what, that that influx of art that you want from a city. They also have what I love that cities are doing these days. They're taking these forgotten spaces and making them wonderful parks. Mm-hmm. Clyde Warren Park. It was a no man's land where 
people between where people lived and the city and no one went to the city right. on the weekends it was a you know it's one of those cities that kind of shut down after 5 and through the weekends and now this park has not only created this wonderful confluence of people who come to enjoy it but it's also now a way to get to the city so the city becomes vibrant oh. after hours so i love that and it's a public space right so i love that i love when um, we don't have to spend money to enjoy a place we can just be now so, this is dallas so did you this do is dallas did you Texas. do anything on <laughs> what people would think is texan culture we did barbecue you can did bet bar- that i do barbecue i did barbecue yeah. a fantastic barbecue pecan lodge and we also did a wonderful right across the street from the pecan lodge where we did the barbecue um this man uh who runs a taco shop but in the back of the taco shop is a little space that is decorated like a home and that's where he and his mother Hmm. uh who are from michoacan uh mexico the state of mexico Uh uh create a meal for only 10 people every night wow and they do it in front of you and they talk about their land their homeland Hmm. uh they talk about uh, their language their food and you're just treated to this beautiful meal everyone who works there are relatives wow and the father who's probably 95 years old is there in the corner engraving guns now these are guns that (laughs) are texas that that's a very (laughs) texas Um, These are antique guns. They don't use them to shoot things. Um, But but they're antique guns, and that has been in their families. Uh, uh, heritage for over 200 years. They're master engravers. So it's this wonderful little slice of life that you would never see. If you... If you recognize the voice who's speaking to me now and you're just tuning in, we have Samantha Brown in studio with us. She has the third season of her terrific show on PBS right now. It's called Samantha Brown Places to Love. So uh, Dallas is a great destination Mm -hmm. that you cover, but you're a TV show. So there are different, um, uh, what's the word? Difficulties than just for a standard traveler. Mm-hmm. Were any of the uh, destinations rough in terms of shooting them this year? Um, physically, this our our toughest shoot and our just f- most oh my gosh uh, rewarding I should uh-huh. say was when we shot a, a sailing the BVIs, the British Virgin Islands, the British Virgin Islands, and um, I making it even more difficult. Said if we're going to show me on a sailboat, I want it to be as poetic and wonderful as it can so I want a mono hull right which I get seasick oh. that's oh. where most everyone else is on a catamaran but I thought uh-huh. catamaran they look like party boats to me <laughs> so I want the beauty I want the poetry so I was on the mono hull, mono hull and then my crew members were on two catamarans we are going to hear more about this so don't turn that dial as I was saying earlier we have Samantha Brown on from Places to Love we'll be right back after these messages Listening to the Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad, Arthur Fromer, and we were just talking with Samantha Brown about the third season of her terrific PBS show, Samantha Brown: Places to Love. You were in the British Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. You were you were on a mono hull, right? A typical sailboat. A typical sailboat, right. and that is more stable because I get no. seasick too. No, not at all. Oh, um, so I had the Dramamine patch, and it was fine. Yeah, that it was helps. Fine. That a- helps. Absolutely, absolutely, but. 
um, the British Virgin Islands, I think a lot of people, their history needs to be rebooted a bit because it was really ravaged during one of the hurricanes a few years ago yeah. in 2017. Yeah. I forget the name. Um, but so a lot of people feel like the British Virgin Islands is still kind of coming back. It it isn't. It it's is back. back. Hmm. And so that's also a mission with the show is to show places that have gotten a lot of bad press for obvious and understandable reasons. Right. But it takes a while for people to know that these places are back. So we went to Tortola, Anagata, Virgin Gorda, hmm. um, it just, and just experienced these beautiful, beautiful places. Well, I think the challenge in the Caribbean, too, is... People can't figure out which island to pick because yeah. they all seem alike. Yeah. But when you go to them, you realize, no, these are very different cultures. They've got different types of beaches, mm-hmm. different types of interiors. So tell, give us the nutshell of what makes each of those islands special. A lot of them are only accessible by boat. You can't mm. fly into them. Oh, that's that's nice. the only way you're getting there. And right. what's really lovely about the islands that we showcased is that it really was showing this sailing journey. And what a lot of people would love to do. It's sort of on par with doing um, uh, an RV road trip across the United States, <laughs> taking a sailboat. So it also demystifies that process as well. Right. So you you actually show how a novice could learn to sail it? And exactly. So I have a captain. We have this great woman, Captain Lisa, and I learn literally learn the ropes. And so you, you participate in sailing. You participate in everything. Well, you said it was a sailboat. Was it uh, really powered by wind or was it powered by an engine? A lot of times it was you were on engine, absolutely, sure. because there's just not enough wind or the direction you want to go to, there's not enough. So, yeah, so it's... Uh, we are speaking with Samantha Brown, who has a terrific new show on, well, not new, it's the third season, actually, called Samantha Brown Places to Love, and one destination you love so much, you return to it. I'm talking about New Zealand. Oh. Why does that deserve a return visit? It's just this uh, tiny country, two small islands out in the South Pacific that just really win you over for the people who are phenomenally kind Mm -hmm. to the scenery that is on a spectacular level. We all know, we all saw Lord of the Rings 20 years ago and we found out that this wasn't computer generated. This was real land. These were real sea cliffs. This was real. This this was a real waterfall. And so you can go to those places. Um, So we, one, one episode was Top of the South, which is literally the top of the South Island. Huh. And that's where a lot of the spectacular scenery is. Right. From Lord and of the Rings. From the, uh, from and the Lord from of the Rings. Just, just, you know, just in general. From God. But it's God. also pretty, <laughs> pretty accessible as well. It's all kind of in one place that you could uh, be there for like five days. And it's also anchored by Marlborough County, uh-huh. which is their wine their wine country. Sure, so sure. So you've got a little bit of the, of, the, of the wine there as well that you have to take. So was the of. whole uh, piece about the South Island this time? Uh, one episode. And then we did a second episode just in Auckland. Oh, Auckland. Auckland. Fun. Yeah, which is the largest city in in New Zealand, and again, it's so um, approachable in terms of its nature. It's where the America's Cup is going to be held this summer, hmm. and they're defending it, I believe. Oh, um, that'll be and, exciting! Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then they're just an hour away from phenomenal beaches on par with Hawaii. So it's this great city, a lot of diversity uh, for a New Zealand city. Sure, sure. And yet again, the nature. Everyone wants to go to New Zealand for the for the natural. Now aspect. you didn't go to White Island, did you? I went to White Island last year on a helicopter, landed, was probably two feet from that crater. I've been on White Island, too. I, I brought my kids. I, 
Wow. Now I think I was the most irresponsible mother ever. That For people who don't remember, that is the island that's the tip of a volcano that recently erupted terribly, uh, injuring people, killing a number of tourists. And there's still quite a few Americans still in New Zealand getting treatment today. Um, It's a shock. It really is. But it, it... you know, I remember thinking, well, this is so cool. And I I've been to Hawaii so cool and Yellowstone too. is a super volcano. It's something that we tend to live with easily. Volcanoes yeah, for yeah. some strange reason. And uh, but that was a very sad day. That very was sad. Oh, very sad. Continues to be sad. So if people want to find your show, mm-hmm. uh, because the thing about PBS is it doesn't have one schedule for the entire country. Correct. Right. There is the syndicated version of PBS. Yeah, there is the syndicated version of PBS called Create TV. Hmm. Uh, then I'm on it Tuesday at 11 oh. p.m. Interesting. And uh, but to find my show, you should go to samantha-brown.com, which is my website. We have the entire list, the schedule, so you can find. You just type in your zip code, and you find exactly when we air. And a lot of fun articles as well. A lot well. of fun articles, and just you know, uh, downloadable itineraries from the show that I did. So you can do what I did. Are your kids ever on the show with you, or no? They uh, one we did an. RV road trip through Oregon, and oh it was goodness. a blast. We That's had a great, hilarious. great time. I once did an RV trip with my kids when they were young, and it was getting really hot in the mm-hmm. RV the first day, and we couldn't figure out. We thought something was going wrong. My daughter had pressed the heat button somehow, <laughs> turned up the heat to like, you know, 80 degrees. Uh, anyway, well, we have been speaking with Samantha Brown of Samantha Brown's Places to Love. Watch it on PBS. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Travel Show. Interestingly, there's some news out of Florida. SeaWorld has decided it's no longer going to have shows that feature trainers riding or standing on dolphins. Now, why did they do this? They've been under a lot of heat from PETA, which is People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, of uh, not to to do this type of thing anymore. They've already eliminated from their programs orcas uh, episodes including whales. Yes, and now they've gone to a smaller fish, which is a dolphin. Right, but they're no longer they'll they'll have dolphins in the shows, but they're no longer going to be allowing trainers to stand on them or members of the public who go to feed a dolphin or to pet pet Well, no, that's apparently we we reported on this on fromers.com because it's a big big news. Right. Uh, and apparently part of it is PETA has now become a shareholder in the corporation that owns SeaWorld. They're trying to change it from within. So this may be one of the reasons they're doing this. Um, They still try and say, and and they may have justification, that the good they do as an organization far outweighs the fact that they are keeping animals that need to have long-distance swims in captivity. Uh, But everything is changing at SeaWorld. They also are now going more towards rides and and less with less emphasis on their shows. And this is actually driving traffic. They're now seeing increased visitation. So I think PETA's 
Peter's they're, they're worries have gotten out. Because there are a great many Americans who will not go to SeaWorld as long as SeaWorld is not acting responsibly right. with respect to giant uh, mammals who are fish. Yes. Who are uh, ocean-going creatures. Yes, and so it's it's, it's been an interesting... And, and we, should, we should commend them for that. And we, we should, should commend them, them for that, issue. but there are, many, there are many issues here because they do raise a lot of money for ocean conservation, and they do do a lot of good as well as doing some evil. It's like the, the, uh, the topic of elephant camps in Thailand. A lot of people think they should all be shut down, but the problem is then what happens to the elephant? Elephants. These are huge animals that require massive amounts of food to stay alive. And for centuries, they were used domestically. They were used in farming. They were used for transportation. And now you have a lot of elephants in these elephant camps that are still being kept alive. They, they have no habitat in Thailand anymore. They couldn't just be released into the forests because the forests don't exist. And a lot of these camps are getting a lot of pressure to close, even though some of them are ethical, ethically run. Some are, some aren't. Um, it's a possibly complex it's a, it's a very question. complex. It's a very complex question. I don't think there's any one... Uh, right thing, but I am glad that dolphins will no longer be rowed anymore. That was clearly unethical. We have to say goodbye for this hour. And we, we thank- wish you a hearty bon voyage. <laughs>